I think we've all disobeyed a parent or a teacher at least sometime in our lives, right? And I think, I was thinking about this, I, I, th- I think we disobey because we don't agree with the command uh, or the instruction. And now that I'm a father, um, I understand this more. You know, go to sleep now, no. Eat your vegetables, no. Um, don't wipe your snot on the kitchen towel, no. Uh, the, our kitchen towel hangs off our dishwasher, and it's, it's the perfect nose level uh, for, my, for my son. So it's, it's very convenient for him. You know, I, I don't think I need to go on. And even if you're not a parent, you get it. We disobey because we don't agree with the command. We don't agree with what we're being told to do. So today we're going to start a new series. Uh, we will be in the book of Jonah. And I know it's one of the more well-known series in the Bible that many of us know, um, and I think there are things that we can learn from it. So before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you send the Spirit to us to be with us, to convict us of our disobedience, to, to stop running away from you, Father, to turn toward you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are going to be in Jonah, Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the, city, the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Jonah lived in around the 8th century B.C. We actually don't know much about him except for his dad's name, Amittai. And we can see here that God calls Jonah to preach to Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria. And at that time, Assyria was the most powerful nation on earth. Now, the more we know about Assyria, the more we understand why Jonah was uh, reluctant, let's say, to preach there. The Assyrians were a fierce, warring nation. They weren't very well liked by their neighbors. So it's very understandable that Jonah doesn't like them. But God has, he has one simple command for Jonah. Go preach to Nineveh. That's it. Go to Nineveh. But instead, Jonah runs away from the Lord. He heads the opposite direction, and he tries to get away as far as possible. And you can see in verse 3, I didn't highlight it, but it really emphasizes this. In the beginning of verse 3, it says, Jonah ran away from the Lord. At the end, it says, you know, flee from the Lord. And I highlighted the three cities mentioned, uh, Nineveh, Tarshish, and Joppa. And here's a map of what's going on here uh, with the three cities. Uh, You can see where Nineveh was uh, in the upper right. Um, And we don't know where Jonah was when he received the command, but it says that Jonah Jonah went down. So he he might have been right right around here or somewhere. And Tarshish... Uh, so something in- interesting to note, now that you kind of see the geography of, of what's going on here, um, this is obviously a map of the Mediterranean Sea, right? Uh, to these people, this is the known world. And the known world to the west at the time, there's nothing to them, there's nothing past the Atlantic Ocean. So to, Jonah is trying to get as far away as possible as he can, as he, as he knows. Okay? And he's actually trying to get away from even other Israelites. Now, I think it's debatable whether Jonah really thought his plan would work, right? I think, like, he had to have known that God's power was hardly limited to, to like, 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 just this area. 
um, you know, just, just this area here, right? He, there's no way that he thought, okay, God just doesn't have jurisdiction like, like way over here, and so that I'm going to go there, right? He had to have known about Psalm 138, 8 through 10. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You know, you are there, you are there. You know, you will guide, you are everywhere. The heavens, the depths, the wings of the dawn, the far side of the sea. You're, you're everywhere. And so Jonah had to be familiar with this passage, that God is everywhere. And we don't really know what Jonah's thought process is, right? Like maybe Jonah thought that this desperate run from God's call might actually succeed. I don't know. Maybe he knew it would fail, but he thought he'd try anyway. Maybe he par- carefully planned his escape. Maybe he, like, began his journey in the middle of the night. He just, he just YOLO'd it. Maybe he thought of it as a permanent getaway, like this is a one-way ticket. Or maybe he thought things would, like, only be temporary, like I'll go there for a year or so until, like, things die down. Maybe he thought he could, like, wait God out and let things cool down. And maybe if he waited long enough, God would change his mind as, as if to say, like, never mind, you don't need to go to Nineveh anymore. And then Jonah wouldn't have to go there and preach. And that might be good. And actually, his day was the golden age of prophets. Uh, Elijah and Elisha, remember them? They were right before him. They were both right before him. And he, he himself had many contemporaries, including uh, Hosea, Amos, and Micah. He may have known them personally. Isaiah himself was right after Jonah. Prophets galore, honestly, right? So maybe he, it's possible that he said to himself, okay, so... God has decided to give Assyria a chance, but if so, maybe one of the other prophets will answer the call, hopefully someone else, not me. So if I really don't want to do this, if I escape and I skip town, surely God will appoint someone else, right? I mean, he's, he's God, right? Surely God's plans don't hinge on only little old me, right? God can accomplish his plans through other people. He doesn't need me, Jonah. He can ask one of the other prophets, and so his escape probably wasn't motivated by the fact that he thought that God's grand plans, that he was essential to, to God's grand plans. We don't know any of these details. We don't know what he was thinking. But regardless of all this, the simple fact remains, Jonah chose disobedience over obedience. Jonah chose disobedience over obedience. Just like sometimes we do. Sometimes we choose disobedience over obedience. And it's because, and we'll find out in later messages, disobeying was less repulsive to him than obeying. He preferred to disobey rather than to obey. And basically, Jonah did not want God showing mercy to a brutal, oppressing enemy nation like, like Assyria, and, and Nineveh was his capital. There's no other record in the Bible, no other record in the Bible of a prophet who directly disobeyed God's call. I think this is the one and only. If, if you find one, please let me know. All right. And so let's, let's see what happens next. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? 
Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take note of us, notice of us so that we will not perish. The captain of the ship is like shocked. He's like shocked that at Jonah's deep sleep. We're about to die and you're sleeping. How can you sleep? And the captain, like the rest of the crew, thought that like some random God was angry with them. And so maybe they could appease whoever God it was by calling on them. It's a, it's a shotgun approach, right, if you understand that euphemism. Let's pray to all the gods that we know, right, and maybe we'll, we'll get lucky and accidentally pray to the right God, uh, the one that's mad at us right now. We just have to figure out how to save our lives any way we can because throwing all our cargo uh, overboard uh, to lighten the ship is, you know, clearly is not helping, right, and they're desperate. And so in verse 7, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? Okay, so we will see the progressive desperation of, of, of the sailors. So now they're like, eh, forget the shotgun approach. They try to narrow things down. Let's find the culprit, right, instead of randomly praying to all these gods. And once it falls onto Jonah, they ask him 20 questions right? Presumably, like, all the crew, they, like, know each other, right? They, they, they've been crewing together and sailing all over the world, right? But who is this mysterious passenger who, like, sleeps in the middle of an ocean, right? Who are you, right? And so they ask him 20 questions. Who's causing this? What do you do? Where are you from? What have you done? You know, we want to know all about you. And Jonah, Jonah doesn't pretend, right? He doesn't shrug his shoulders, right? Like, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm just as clueless. I, I, what's, I don't know. I'm just as clueless as you guys, have you ever been caught in the act and you know you're busted and you, um, and you think for a split second, you know, can I lie my way out of this, right? And it's like, no, I need to come clean, all right? This is exactly like that, all right? This is exactly like that. Jonah actually answers truthfully with an amazing confession of faith. And even through all this, Jonah acknowledges God. He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And he's, he's probably pretty dejected as he says this. He's probably like, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. Right? He's, he's admitting like, it's, it's, this is me. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them, told them so. Jonah just said, I worship the Lord who created everything. All this, the sea, the land, everything that we know, he created. It's like Jonah's God trumps all other gods, which don't really exist anyway. And that freaks them out even more. Sounds like Jonah's God is the most powerful of them all. What have you done? In verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12, and he knows exactly what it is. He doesn't mince words. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. So now they get even more desperate. They're like, okay, actually, um, who cares who, who you are and what you have done? Let's get down to business. How can we fix this? How can we solve this problem? What do we got to do? And look at Jonah's answer. He knows exactly what needs to be done. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. 
pick me up and throw me into the sea. It's my fault that all this is happening at all. Jonah knew immediately who was responsible for the storm himself, who was causing the storm, God, and how to make the sea calm again, throw him overboard. And you know what the amazing thing is right now? <laughs> Jonah is still resisting the command. He is still resisting the Lord. He doesn't tell the sailors, hey, you know what, let's roll back to shore so that I can like, begrudgingly do my job. I got to go and preach to Nineveh. So if you just, if you just get me back to shore, I'll, I'll, I'll go there. As if to say, like, okay, okay, God, you got me. I learned my lesson. Okay, I'll, I'll go now. I'll go to Nineveh now. Going back to land is actually their solution. The men's, it's the sailor's solution. Jonah's solution is death. Right? He would rather die than preach to Nineveh. Throw me overboard. Think about that. Now, if you know the story of Jonah, you know that he is saved by a great fish. But Jonah, can't know, he can't have known that at the time. Okay? Being thrown overboard in the middle of a huge storm, it meant certain death. Jonah would die so that the sailors might be spared. Right? He's willing to die for the sailors. But Jonah would not preach to Nineveh so that Nineveh would be spared. Do you, guys, do you guys see this? The contrast is incredible. He cares more about the sailors than, this, than the city of Nineveh. And the sailors, the contrast is huge. The sailors are willing to do whatever the Lord wants. They're willing to do whatever God wants as soon as they can find out what it is. But Jonah knows exactly what God wants, and he still tries to escape it. He'd rather live in exile or, or even die than bring a favor to the Assyrians. What God wants, Jonah just can't stand to be a part of. The sailors seemed like good people. They were initially unwilling to throw Jonah overboard. But I can imagine, I can imagine God saying, I put myself in God's shoes, and I can imagine God saying, oh, you, you're not going to give me up, Jonah? Okay, then I'm going to turn up the sea. I'm just going to turn that up. Because I'm God and I can do this all day. Your puny little ship cannot. So let's, let's do this. And so find the sailors get desperate. At this point, they can't even get back to land, right? They, they, they grew wilder than before. They, they can't even get back to land. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they, offered a, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. From their perspective to the sailors, Jonah's God is one of many gods that exist in the world, right? They're polytheistic, and they don't want to risk getting Jonah's God even angrier by killing Jonah. So they're asking for us, look, please don't hold us accountable, and it's interesting to note, the pagan sailors, they seem far more concerned about obedience than Jonah does. I think for most of us, we have all been disobedient to God. Maybe we do something that we know we shouldn't. Or like in this passage, we don't do something that we know we should. Maybe sometimes it's, it's, you know, intention, it's not intentional, Maybe it's like a slip, like it's in the moment you kind of mess up. We've all been there. But maybe sometimes it's planned. You're planning. 
you go out of your way to disobey. You go out of your way to disobey, to sin. And in today's passage, that's, what, that's exactly what Jonah did. He went out of his way to disobey God. Jonah commands, jo- sorry, God commands Jonah to go somewhere to preach, and instead he goes the opposite way. He can't claim that he bought the wrong ticket or got confused on which city to go to. Oh, I thought you wanted me to go to Tarsh. Oh, 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 Nineveh? Oh, my bad. He can't say he got lost on the way. He knew exactly what he was doing. If I told you to go from here to San Diego and you took the boat, which you could, you could claim you're going to San Diego. But if I told you to go to Las Vegas and you took the boat, you can't, you can't claim, like, oh, I got lost. I was trying to take the boat to Las Vegas. You, you can't take the boat to Las Vegas. Jonah knew exactly what he was doing. And I think sometimes we know exactly what we are doing. And just like I try to get into the mind of Jonah, I don't know what exactly goes through our minds, but I think we rationalize our actions. We try to justify our actions as if to say, this is why I'm right, because of this reason or that reason, or I deserve this for me, or I deserve happiness, or I think this is better. We can guess that Jonah was... He's doing the same thing. He doesn't want God to show mercy to, to, the, to the Syrians, to, to Nineveh. So this is right. I don't want God. I want him to smite. I want God to smite that city. So I, I, I don't want them to accidentally repent. The Syrians, the Assyrians are bad people. They don't deserve God's mercy. If I go and preach to them, they, they, they might listen to me. And God might not destroy them. We can't have that. So I'm going to hightail it out of here and go the opposite way. Maybe God will ask someone else to preach there. They can handle it. No, I'm I'm going the opposite way. When I was younger, I would would read the story, and, and, you know, we often call it Jonah and the whale, right? Um, And I would laugh and look down on Jonah. (laughs) Silly prophet. (laughs) Who can run away from God? Aren't you a prophet? Aren't you a man of God? Wouldn't you know that you can't run away from God, that he's everywhere? Every little kid knows that. I'm 49. I remember the flannel graphs. Do you guys remember the flannel graphs? Right? You you move them around on that felt board. Just me. Rick, help me out here. Come on. Okay, okay. Thank you. All right. I I remember the stories and and the cute little whales that they would use. What a silly prophet. Trying to run away or hide from God is fruitless. I mean, in verse 9, he himself, this is Jonah himself. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. What an amazing confession of faith, Jonah. (laughs) I would hope all of us in this room and, and online, if you're watching online right now, I would hope all of us can say this can believe this, that we worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land and air and space and the universe and everything else. When I was younger, when I read this story, I would look down at poor Jonah as as an example of what not to be. Don't be like Jonah, silly man, thinking that he can run from God. What a fruitless endeavor. And as as I've grown older, I started to realize... (laughs) Jonah is a picture of me. We go around doing things we shouldn't or not doing things we should. 
and all the while thinking that God doesn't see us. <laughs> we go around, let me repeat, we go around doing things we shouldn't or not doing things we should, all the while thinking that God doesn't see us. What we do in secret does not escape God. I was talking to a student once, and he admitted to me that he used a lot of profanity at school. He dropped a lot of F-bombs. And he assured me that even though he did it a lot, he would never do it in front of me. He somehow respected me too much or something to, to swear in front of me. I would never do it in front of you, Pastor Andy. He was trying to honor me, and I appreciated that. He meant well. I, I get that. So I asked him, so you can hide swearing from me, your youth pastor, but you're okay with doing it in front of God? And that, that gave him pause. Maybe we can hide our sins from our spouse. Maybe we can hide our sins from our, from our kids or our students. Maybe we can hide our sins from our coworkers or our boss. Maybe we can hide our sins from our pastors, like this youth kid, or, or church leaders. But can we hide our sins from God? <laughs> now, I get it. Jonah was trying to physically run away from God. And I, I don't know, I don't think that any of us in this room are trying to physically run away from God. Where would you go? But the symbolism is very apparent. Do we have secret sins that we're trying to hide, only fooling ourselves? You know, is it, is, is it a pornography issue? We're abusing our spouse or kids or cheating on our spouse. Emotionally, not just physically. Cheating can be emotional too when you're fantasizing about other people. Are we stealing money? I see a lot of embezzlement um, uh, articles online. Are we stealing money? Now, jo- Jonah wasn't going to keep his secret to the grave. I get that. He, w- he didn't want to endanger others because of his mistakes. And maybe we, can, maybe we can give him credit for that. Okay, maybe we can give him credit for that. At the height of the storm, when everyone was thoroughly freaked out and terrified, he confessed, it's, it's me, it's me, it's me. My bad. All right, my fault. This is, this is all on me. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to sink so low before we remember God. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom, sink so low before we remember God. I've been like this, and some of you have walked with me through this moment. I've been like this. I had to hit rock bottom before I remembered to pray to God. It's happened a few times in my life. To ask for forgiveness. Have you? I ask all of us right now to take some time for a moment of self-reflection. I'll I'll, I'll pause for a moment. Right now, what has God taught you through your own disobedience? I had to sit there while I was researching and composing this message. What's something in your life that you're running away from God from right now? Most of us have probably been in a circumstance where we felt like there was no way out like it was hopeless. Maybe it was a circumstance that we brought on ourselves, or maybe it was something out of our control. I, you know, I don't know. 
But in that time for Jonah, in that hopelessness, he was finally honest with himself. He stopped deluding himself that he could actually hide or escape from God. So I urge all of us to take stock of our lives. And you know, hopefully before we hit rock bottom, like Jonah and, and me at points in my life, he had to hit rock, he had to hit rock bottom before he would, he would own up to it. You know that phrase? Is there unrepentant sin? Is there a hidden sin that only you know about? Because if so, then we are just like Jonah, thinking that we can hide from God symbolically. And I get it. Uh, maybe it's shameful or deeply embarrassing. I'm not urging you to post your sins to social media. <laughs> Talk to God. So I want to end with a few things that we can take away from this passage. And the first step is to admit our sins, to confess our sins and stop running away, just like Jonah. So in that respect, we should be like Jonah, to admit this. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. What's an amazing, what an amazing confession of faith. To acknowledge God, confess our sins. I urge all of us to take stock of our lives and confess our sins to God. And not just to admit them, but also turn from them. It's not good to admit our sins and then happily continue <laughs> doing them. Right? Jonah wasn't admitting his sins and then continuing to, on to Tarshish. Right? We'll see in a later message that Jonah eventually gets back to dry land, but then he, he, he doesn't turn around and try to buy another ticket to Tarshish. Right? He's learned his lesson. Right? Like he's going to try to escape again. Right? He actually goes and fulfills the call, God's call. So there's confession, but there's also uh, admitting our sins, but there's also turning away from them. And the next, um, interesting love, interestingly enough, I think we can learn from the sailors. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to them. Look at the three verbs or those three phrases there. They feared the Lord, they offered a sacrifice, and they made vows. They feared the Lord, they offered a sacrifice, they made vows. And I think the second thing is, is to, fear, to fear God. And when we say fear, we mean respect, not so much as a cower, cowering fear, although there's probably a huge element of that during the, during the storm, um, who a moment ago, they, they thought they were going to lose their lives. But it's more having, when I, when I say fear, um, it's more having a true fear, a true respect for God. When we think we can get away with things or hide things from God, we don't respect Him. We don't fear Him. And I was like that with my father. We, my brother and I, we would hide things from my dad all the time. When we run around sinning, we don't fear the Lord. What we think we do in private that no one knows, but you know what? God knows. And also, the, the sailors offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, back then, sacrifices were made for the atonement of sin. But today, we know that Jesus was the one-time perfect sacrifice for all of us for all time. So I'm going to slightly amend this. Sacrifice is an act of worship. And so I will slightly alter this to say worship God. But too often we think that worship is only the, the singing portion of church, like we're singing, and that, that's when we worship God and then the rest of church is not worship. Um, but it goes beyond that. And I chose Romans 12 alone. Th this could be not only a sermon, but a sermon series, okay? But I chose Ro Romans 12 one. Uh, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is not just singing. This verse says that the way we live our lives, our actions, our words, our thoughts, this is our true act of worship. This is our true worship of God. So I'm going to go back. I'll go forward. So the third thing is to offer our body as a living sacrifice to, to, um, to live our lives, our actions, our words, our thoughts, uh, rightly with God. And the final thing that the sailors did was to make vows. And, you know, we make wedding vows, right, basically a set of promises. Uh, some couples do a rededication, right, of their marriage vows. Uh, these are good things. I urge all of us to take our faith seriously. But maybe we can talk to God and, and vow or, or, or make an oath or, or just commit, commit to God to live a life in true and proper worship, uh, as we saw in Romans 12.1. Our actions, our words, our thoughts. I think these are the things we can, we can take from, from Jonah chapter 1, to confess our sins, to respect God, to worship God with our bodies, not just singing, and to take our faith seriously. So for today, we end here. Jonah has been tossed overboard, and his fate is uncertain he cannot possibly know what will happen next. But I think it's safe to say that he thinks he is about to die. This is it for him. So, so stick around until next month. <laughs> I'm excited for a new series in Jonah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, you know our words you know our thoughts, you know our actions, wherever we are in this world. We know that we can't hide from you. I pray that you send the Spirit to us to convict, to convict us, to convict our sins. I pray that you would help us turn away from our sins and turn toward you, Father, to worship you with our actions, our, our, our words, our, our, our thoughts, our deeds. We love you, Father. You are the Lord, the God of everything who made the dry land and the seas. In your Son's most holy and precious name, amen. Mm-hmm.